Okay, um, if I want you to all make some lovely noise and show some love for the uh, creators of Robozino, I have the creator and director, Egg Bignall, and the executive producer, Giles Ridge. <laughs> Pick a chair, any chair. Thank you. There's a lot of them. Hey, hey. Here we go. Fine, how are you both today? Good, thank you. Fine. Um, you're going to tell us all about... Uh, Robos, you know, I mean, who's the best person to speak to about where it all began? Uh, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, where it all began? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, it actually began quite a long time ago, uh, 17 years ago. Really? Originally, yeah. Originally came up with the idea for Robozuna, um, which was to create, um, you know, a good versus evil hero's journey about, you know, a very courageous boy and his robot who compete in these games. They need to win the games to defeat the villains of the world. And, and uh, that's where it all started. Did it take 17 years to come up with all the different moves and weapons and all those things, or was it just? <laughs> Not quite. Um, <laughs> it just took, it took a very long time just to, um, you know, piece all the, you know, financing together and things like that. But really it was, once we uh, teamed up with ITV and Netflix, it was quite a quick process to just put all the pieces together. Do you have a favourite Robozuna character? Are you allowed uh, to have a favourite? I do have a favourite. You're not um, going to say? No, I will say. I mean, it's absolutely... The whole thing started with, with Mangle. Right. You know, he was the inspiration. Mangle's downstairs, right? He's downstairs. Did everyone get to meet Mangle? Yeah. I've not met Mangle yet. Is he cool? Yeah. Did he do, like, some sort of, like, robot dancing, or is he trying to, like, play it cool? Is he, like, trying to be, like, the cool kid in school, or is he actually doing some robot dancing? Dancing. He was dancing. Amazing, that's what you like to hear. Um, now, you've got a lot of experience on big shows. You've worked on Thunderbirds Are Go. That's another one that's that we right. show on Scrambled. Well, when, when Ed first brought, pitched me the series, it was about seven or eight years ago when we were Working. setting up. We were in development for the remake of Thunderbirds Are Go. And I think it's, it's all credit to kind of Ed's perseverance and faith in the property <laughs> that actually we, we sit here today. And I, I really mean that because... Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think for anyone who's got a dream or aspiration for coming into the you know, business of art and television and, and particularly animation, sometimes you do have to persevere. You know, things just don't happen automatically. And, um, and I was, I, I'm genuinely delighted that, that you know, we're able to share these episodes um, today and, uh, and that you know, Ed's dreams be realised. So, for those in the audience who don't know, what is your role within the Robozuna world? So, I'm part of ITV, and ITV commissioned the show from Ed's company, Kids Cave, okay. together with Netflix. And uh, for ITV, it was the first Netflix original series that ITV had made. Uh -huh. And um, so, we, so, my job was to ensure that the show fitted the aspirations of both the ITV network, mm -hmm. CITV, and also Netflix, who um, were funding... Gave, gave a lot of the financing for and the show. And that was totally seamless, was it? Well, <laughs> as ever, as with any yes. co-production, you know, you're, 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 you're juggling the, the, the different aspirations and desires of, of each commissioning editor. But actually, we were very, very lucky. What was wonderful with Netflix is that they allowed our writers to, to develop the series with a really strong story arc. Brilliant. Traditionally, in kids-scripted drama shows, um, it's, it's more episodic with just beginning, middles, and ends. Mm. But because of Netflix's desire to want to have a really strong story arc across each block of ten, 10 episodes, 
that was just hugely liberating for the writers and gives the series uh, yeah. you know, another dimension. Well, then that leads us quite nicely to the characters within the show. Yeah. I, you know, you've obviously, they've been, you said it's been in development for a while. Was it a creative process with yourself and the writers, like, developing them? Did you always have storylines for them? Did you know where they were always going to go, where people come into the series and go out of the series, and what kind of, like, aspects they have of, like, human abilities and also the kind of robot abilities? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, because I was obviously developing the show for quite some time, everything was pretty much there. All the, you know, I sort of, you know, had the blinkers on for a long time to really sort of craft what the big story arc was going to be for this hopefully, fingers crossed, first part of a much bigger saga. Yeah. So all the characters are in place, you know, all their kind of personality traits. And it was very much inspired, you know, each of the characters, it, it's kind of like a modern myth that they are, you know, sort of very classically inspired, um, uh, sort of the way you would get inspired by myths and legends. So, you know, with Denuvia, for instance, um, you know, she's the wicked sort of, Queen, mm -hmm. you've got Ariston, who's the sort of orphan boy who learns to become a leader and risks his life to save his people. So it's all these, you know, very kind of um, characters from myths and legends, really, yeah. to piece it all together. But it, yeah, it was all in place, and also the big art was there mm. as well, which I think is what you know both Netflix and ITV, you know, found you know really interesting. Mm. You could see the big picture of what this show was going to be. Also, a big selling point for us was. The fact that Robozuna offered, on a big picture level, this wonderful dynamic kind of gameplay between the robots. Mm. Yeah. And on a much smaller, but on a much more intimate level, this wonderful relationship between Ariston and Mangle. Yeah. And the combination of those two aspects, I think, gives the series this amazing quality. And, yeah, and that was sure. certainly what really attracted Netflix to the show. So. It is interesting what you say about um, with certain animations. They do just start, they have a beginning, middle and end, and then they don't continue into a series. So that is what's lovely about this. Yeah. When talking about the animation, because I actually remember the first time seeing the robots, you know, I was like, oh, it looks completely different from any yeah. other sort of like animation I've seen of recent. There's a lot of like, not to like tie with all the same brush, but that kind of Dexter's Laboratory animation. There was a lot of cartoons that were doing that style yes. of animation for a while, and they all became different. And I remember my personal thinking, oh, this is great. It looks very different. Yeah. How... Where did the animation idea come from? Did you always want it to look like it does now? Or has that been a huge thing that's kind of changed over the years? I'd say it, it certainly exceeded my expectations of what I thought was possible. And I think the timing was right. If we tried to make this show 10 years ago, it wouldn't have looked as cinematic. But what I really tried to do, obviously, there's a lot of... When you think of animation, you think of very cartoony, very light characters, squash and stretch. We wanted to do something that felt really realistic mm. and cinematic. So characters that hopefully the audience... And we had quite a lot of feedback where after a few minutes, people sort of say, oh, do you know what? I forgot I was watching animation. Mm. So we really wanted these that. characters to feel real. And in a way, we just stopped looking at what anyone else was doing in animation and took inspiration from, you know, just classic live-action movies, whether it would be, you know, Lord of the Rings, Gladiator, Blade Runner, you know, to try and create that really cinematic look. Was, were you inspired as a youngster by any particular animations or films? Oh, I mean, the thing is, I mean, tons of stuff. I mean, yeah. in, in a way, the inspiration from this came from just thinking, wouldn't it be brilliant to try and create you know, a, an adventure story and a modern myth for a new generation of kids, the way something like Star Wars inspired me when I was seven mm. years old. So that was what I wanted to do, is to try and create a new mythology mm. 
with RoboZuna. Oh, no. And they're all very layered, the robots. They've all yep. got like skills. So I saying we play this thing called RoboZuna Trumps, yep. show, which is where we battle them against each other in terms of their skill set. So it's like attack or their weapon or their secret um, move. Uh, was that a conscious decision? Because then that then adds into, because you've got a whole other world to just the animation, haven't you? There's this whole games thing that you do. Is, yep. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Part of the idea of um, with Robozuna is, you know, they're battling within the Robozuna sport, but they're also battling outside of it. So it was a logical step to really look at how can we, um, you know, find other ways for the audience to engage with the characters and the concepts. Um, but I mean, Jars is more across really the the, the game side. Yeah, we're developing. So, well, we we do have a game in play at the moment, but we're looking to build on that game and. Okay. Um, there's a huge, obviously, desire for kids to get into coding yeah. and to learn about coding. So we're currently integrating into the game a coding element that will allow kids to uh, write their own code, wow. which will program the different robot moves. And, Any, uh, anyone fancy being a coder or learning coding? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? I mean, I, I did not get that at high school. Um, I, I think that like, computing had just started when I yeah. was in high school, which I'm really behind with everyone. Um, we're going to meet the voice cast a little bit later on, um, and we were going to get you guys to come back on stage as well right. to answer. Right. Um, uh, right now, we're going to get to meet some of the voice of the robots and the characters you saw there. Are you, are you up for that? And you kind of have to say that because they're kind of sitting in the front row and that'd be really awkward if you didn't. Um, okay, so I need you to make lots and lots of noise for every person that I'm about to welcome on stage because there's loads of them. Uh, first, please, can you give a huge welcome to Tom and Taylor Clark Hill. <laughs> Next up, I want a big round of applause for Larissa Murray and Brianna Price. <laughs> and finally, oh, hi, from all angles. And finally, can we have a big shout out for Marina Banks, please? Marina Banks, sorry, Marina Banks. Take a seat. There's lots of seats to choose from. Um, you can move closer oh, if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Oh. Uh, thank yeah, you so yeah. much, everyone, for joining us this morning. I take it you've all seen that episode, yes? Yeah, yeah very much involved. Yeah. Okay, as everyone has. Yeah, okay, oh, yeah. fine. Um, I'm, so, because there's a lot of you here, I'm going to get you each individually to introduce who you are, what character you play, and if you can do a bit of that character voice. Would that be okay? I know a few of you play a couple of different characters as well, so if you yes. want to do a couple or whatnot. Uh, so we'll start with you, Moena. Hello, I'm Moena Banks, and I play Danuvia, and your incompetence astounds me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Larissa Murray, and I play Feronia and Gizzy. Do you want Feronia or Gizzy? Oh, either. Who's your favourite? Feronia. Oh, I have to say Gizzy. Losers! <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Brianna Price, and I play Livia. And she's very much just like a younger version of who I am right now. <laughs> um, I'm Taylor Clark Hill, and I play Ariston. And uh, I'm sat next to my best friend, Mangle, right now. But we're also... Uh, the announcers, uh, and then we go, uh, Robo, Robo, Zuna! <laughs> <laughs> she liked that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have warned you. <laughs> I'm Tom Clark Hill, uh, Taylor's younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, luckily, I get to be uh, Ed's favorite character. I heard yeah. you say it. Mango, Mega Match! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I feel very guilty because the first two episodes, all I said was, Mango Protect. 
And I also play uh, Lannister, who is who's kind of the father, keeping everybody together, keeping it straight. Honey, dad rule number yeah. one. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> and then also in the, the sports announcers, uh, I do uh, Spanner. Hammers and babies, kind of like that in the Robo Robo Zuno Arena. <laughs> oh. <I'm> sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can you both explain to the audience your relationship, please, and if you are actually related? Well, this is my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm, I met this guy uh, <laughs> at the hospital in 1980. He's my, my oldest son, Taylor Clark Hill, and he's been doing voiceovers since he was about five or six years old and uh, maintained his, his uh, American accent, luckily, to be able to sometimes do this I, gig. Sometimes they go British, yeah, yeah. But, you know? Yeah. Well, you both play the, well, the closest characters in Robozina, uh, Mangal and Ariston. How does that, how does your relationship in real life affect your work life? It was awesome. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. You know, all those, all those, all the touching things were, you were Mangle best friends, you know, because I love him, he's my son, you know, so, so it's easy to do. It's true, yeah. No, it was amazing. And, you know, thanks to Ed and thanks to Kids Cave and everyone for this amazing opportunity. It was yeah. like the, because one, it was a really cool looking cartoon, yeah. but, to uh, to have you cast as my character's best friend, yeah, yeah, like, amazing, yeah. so so much fun, yeah. Uh, really do you good. all get in the studio together? Can you tell us about the recording process as voice artists? Like, were you all together all at one point or Mo all the yes. time? Uh, yes. Most of the time, we we luckily got to all you know be in the booth together. That's brilliant. Yeah. So we've often had people say that they're not. We had a Mr. Bean thing recently, and they hardly ever saw each other. because yes. they, they do it in sections of each character. Yeah, yeah. it's unusual actually. I, in fact, I'm in Mr. Bean. I didn't even you know I've never met any <laughs> other people yeah. from it at all. Um, but yeah, it's really unusual to have us all together. But it makes the dynamic really good, and it, it it means that when we're kind of all in a line acting, we're actually acting off each other rather yeah. than just kind of acting off lines read in. So it's good, I think. Do I think you prefer good. that then? I think it, it depends on the kind of animation you're doing, but I think that for this one, I think it really worked. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a radio play in a way, you know, where yeah. you're bouncing off and yeah. proper sort of proper scenes with, with each And the more ensemble you have, the more we're bouncing off each other, but also we're, we're coming up with goofy lines. And every once in a while, Ed would hear that and go, oh, do that one again, you know, or, or yeah. it, mm. it gives a lot more room for improvisation. Is that a conscious decision then, uh, to have everyone together recording? Yeah, definitely. I really prefer that. Anything else I've done as well, I think you just get that energy and that dynamic. And it's always those things that sometimes, you know, yeah, you've got your scripts and you've painstakingly spent a long time on that. But, you know, it's, it's all about people and their relationships. And you create a great magic when you get a bunch of people together and they will improvise. Um, and it's things you might not have thought of yeah. that you just keep in because it's real. You know, how long is that something. process then of like the recording sessions? How long would you all be together in recording? Depends on if we're doing two episodes a day. Normally you're called at, started about 9.30, and released around four. So you have a lunch break in between. So it's, you know, a good six hour day, sometimes less, sometimes more. Who's the biggest joker and prankster? Is there one? Ooh. <laughs> I feel like there's someone always, always a prankster on set I mean, somewhere. Isn't there? I, I get to work alongside my dad, so I'm always just. Yeah. You know, is he always stitching you up? Just yeah. pushing him along. <laughs> Abuse. There's, yeah, there's a lot of funny oh. people, you know, who do animation work, so you're always surrounded by comics, and yeah. there's a lot of fun. Well, there's a few of you here that, who have different careers, so Brianna, I'm not sure if any of you know. You're a DJ, yeah, you're Mini One, um, and um, Warren, you I'm are also the voice of Mummy Pig and, and uh, Peppa Pig. Yeah. Um, can I just ask each of you individually, 
um, how you got to the point of being in Robozuna, how much voice voicing you've done, how it ties in with what you what else you do in terms of your career, like the path you kind of took to get here. Would that be okay? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do quite a lot of animation. I love doing animation. Um, and Peppa Pig, uh, I play Mummy Pig and Madame Gazelle in that, and in Danger Mouse and Pink Dawn and. Um, very, yeah, lots of animations. Um, and I, I started, it was sort of by accident, really. I didn't train, I didn't go to drama school or anything like that. Um, I, I, I sort of always write my own material a lot for, for comedy. And I was on a, in a TV show called Absolutely, and it's one of the very first things I ever did on television, doing lots of different characters. And part of what we did on the show was actually write and produce little animations with um, a company called Trific Films, and that was Tim Searle. And Tobin Goff, and and so and that who Tim Sell now is, I think, um, head of Bino Studios actually, but he, he's you know a great kind of animation person, and and I think because I sort of learnt to kind of do we, we drew them and wrote them and and kind of voiced them all together, and that was when I first started. And then I worked with Tim a lot after that, and it turned out then that um, Neville Astley and Mark Baker were fans of Absolutely the show, and those are the guys who created um, Peppa Pig. And Mark and Neville, the first thing they asked me to do was a, 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 a film, actually, called Jolly Roger. And it's a little short film, and it was really beautiful. And if you can ever get hold of it, I've never seen it since, but it was a short film. It got nominated for an Oscar, which was wow. really exciting. But after that, they were... We did a series called Big Nights um, for the BBC, and then Mark and Neville were... They didn't want to do any more Big Nights... Or the BBC didn't want to do any more Big Nights, and they were trying to create a show. And so they asked me if I'd do the voices for a character called Peppa Pig, and they showed me the animatic, which is the first sort of drawings that you see. Ed will be able to explain that a bit better. Of when, what, it's kind of original sort of creation of a character, and asked if I'd do all the voices for this Peppa Pig um, show reel that they were going to take around and, and show people. And then that became, that became a very big deal. But it's interesting what Ed was saying about how long it takes with animation, mm. because Peppa Pig, everybody turned it down, apart from apart from <laughs> so all, yeah, they yeah. took it everywhere. And people couldn't really see it, didn't really understand it. So the people that took a punt on it um, was uh, was Channel Five actually. Liverpool, they they were starting up to do a kids show, and so yes. So if, if you are thinking about doing that, then really, really always keep going because every animation I've ever done, I think, has taken so long to get off the ground. Mm. Amazing. I think that was far too long. Sorry. Is there anyone in here who wants to be a, a voice character or, is, or wants an introduction? You do. Yes, I love that yeah. enthusiasm. <laughs> um, so it's always good. This is why we, want, we have you guys here to kind of hear your, your past and your experience and how you got to being here now. Um, Larissa, would you like to let us? Uh, well, I started um, animation. I was doing a, a musical in the West End called Sunset Boulevard, and I started voicing manga cartoons. So I did it, I dubbed from the Japanese to the English, and that was my very first time I did any type of animation. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and then from there, luckily, I, I got a, a voice agent, and then I, I absolutely loved doing it. Not so much dubbing, but from the creative process, like Moina was saying about beginnings, and um, I ended up, luckily, getting cast in quite a few animations myself, and things like Angelina Ballerina and TikTok House and all. I've done about 10, 10 separate series as well. And uh, then also branched off into games. I do a lot of video games, voices for video games, but it's a similar, you know, it's similar, um, it's a similar talent, I suppose, or technique that you have for games as you do for animation. And um, it's, it's a huge amount of fun and it's really, you know, especially with the games, it can be very physical as well because you can, you know, when you're doing things like Walla, which is all the 
moaning, like the grunt, the yeah. physical sounds. You have to, you have to do it. You have is to be in the position. Is there a huge difference between voicing a game and voicing an, a cartoon or an animation? Uh, games are a bit more isolating, where you don't really get to go in with um, a, a group of other actors. You, it's it's one on one mostly, and a little bit more physical, I would say. Okay. Yes, but. Um, yeah, it's, fa it's a fantastic, if you can do it, and if you're interested in it, I would highly recommend it. Can I, can I just say something really quick? Mm -hmm. uh, Larissa is, one of the, is the voice of one of the first ever female stormtroopers. I am. Yay! Yay! Star Wars, in the Battlefront games, the Star Wars Battlefront games, which I'm Thanks. a massive fan of. So Thanks for the plug. super <laughs> excited to hear about that. Anyway. Has anyone else voiced games before, you guys? Yeah. Yeah, is that um, like... He's done a, so many games. Really? So I got I got to grow up with my dad as a voiceover. So you know we'd come you know back. I don't I don't know what games were the earliest games that you did. Well, a lot of them are, are for older crowds than what we got here today. But I've done some for uh, the Lego games. And Lewis has been on. We're in one together. Yeah. yeah was that Lego City? Lego City. Yeah. And then I did Legos Marvel Superheroes Two, <laughs> where uh, I played Blake down Bill <laughs> and uh, the Taskmaster and uh, General Ross. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's so I have to pinch myself. Is there myself. any voice you can't do? I'm really like, I want to set you a challenge now. I can't talk like Donald Duck. Oh. I can make the sound, but I can't talk. It's, it's, it's been I feel like you spent a lot of time trying, though, haven't you? Oh, every day. Every day. Donald Duck, Wouldn't it be amazing you? if you could like, master that and then just annoy him every day? Yes. That'd be well, cool. thanks for the idea. Okay, I might, good. I might have to progress on that now. Uh, what about yourself? Because obviously you DJ, you're, you're radio um, a presenter. How did you get into voicing? Um, so I've never done any cartoon work before or any games. Um, I come from a radio background and my other job is a DJ, so I spend most of my time in clubs, on stages at festivals, and I make electronic music. Um, I have uh, or had a radio show on BBC Radio 1 and I think that's how I got to understand how to use my voice. And then um, my agent just kind of threw this at me, uh, as in like, just go and check out this audition and see if you, if you enjoy it because all my life everyone's been telling me that um, I've always really annoyed my family with the amount of characters um, that I would just create. And she was like, go to this audition and just see what happens, like you've got nothing to lose. And um, yeah, I went in and met Ed and the rest is history. Yeah. Was it a different challenge for you in terms of, because you're totally playing a character, different. yeah. Totally different. Or maybe you have to be yourself, it's actually completely opposite. I mean, Olivia is, she's basically like a younger version of myself. She's very, like a very strong female character and I could see so much of my younger self in her. Um, so I think I just kind of channeled that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I absolutely love doing cartoons now, by yeah. the way, so um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of uh, something that I'm focusing more on these days. Brilliant, yeah. I love that. Uh, I mean, it's in the family, yeah. but when was your first, like, voicing, like, uh, experience? When did you first voice something? What was the character? Was it a natural progression from, obviously, your dad and the family home? And Well, I moved from the States when I was, like, four and a half. Um, and so, I think it was, like, I was, like, five and a half or six. And, Dad, you got into um, voiceovers real soon, because uh, he's a bass player and a singer, too. And so, I think you got recommended. I think you did some courses in the States. Anyway, I went along to one of his gigs in uh, Gloucester at Tempanelli, right? Yes. Yeah, um, which is a studio there. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, does this kid have a real American accent? And they're like, 
He's like, yeah. I'm like, could we use him just for five minutes? <laughs> and he's like, do you want it? I'm like, yeah. So I think I did like a, a KFC radio ad or something. How yes. old were you at this point? Yes. Like six or six. five or six. Really? Yeah. It was awesome. I got like five pounds pocket money. It was great. Oh, this is I got great. 60. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't see that until I was 18. <laughs> so it still came to me, just took a while. Um, and then when I was 11, um, I was in a cartoon series called The Wheel Squad. That was my first cartoon series. Okay. Uh, same studio, I think, uh, Tempanelli. Yeah. And then when I was like 16, um, some more close encounters and stuff with um, animation things, little radio ads here and there. Um, I, I've been really lucky because I've been able to piggyback um, using like Dad's Got Home Studio. Oh, amazing. So they can call us up on a really high quality phone line and we can just record from home. So That is very handy. I think yeah. he's done... Oh, this is also Tony the Tiger here. Uh, I think we've done <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Should I say? You blew my cover. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've done it in your pajamas from home at one time. Yeah. <laughs> to Australia. Cheers. There we go. Well, it was the invent of, of ISDN, you know, ISDN, the digital telephone line. Right. That came in in about 1996. And all the people in radio production, instead of like you'd drive all the way up to uh, Sheffield to Hallam FM, and they'd guarantee you 10 gigs, you know. Mm. So you'd make two or 300 quid to drive up there. All of a sudden that changed, and they were just hiring you one, one job at a time. But you could just go in the other room and do it, and you're done. Yeah. And they started asking, you know, if, if you've got a, a, a son with an American accent, he started getting radio work when he was six years old. And much, his older, or his younger brother uh, turned into Orson Welles. He, got a, he had a, a session once where he was supposed to be talking to an ad agency in the UAE in Dubai, you know, six people, and it's, a, it's a, like how big this new people mover is for GMC or something like that. And he's like, counts down, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, oh, come on, guys, where are you? And he does it three times perfect, then the lady goes, oh, could you say seven? One more time, he goes, seven. She goes, no, seven. He goes, seven. And he goes, I'm going to go climb a tree. And he just runs out. <laughs> you know? But Taylor was always great, really good. And in fact, uh, the, one, of the, one of the places where you dub movies, um, we, went, we took him in there when he was about eight or nine years old. And it was dubbing the part of this kid. And he'd never been in the studio. It's this big screen. And there's the, 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 the wipe starts going boop, 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 boop. And then he hits the thing. And he just nailed these lines. It was just amazing. So Very we've, good. We've also done some motion cap do it. Um, in the Batman video games, I'll just say real quick, which is really, really fun as yeah. well. Well, you've, so you mentioned about the games, and I asked you, you say it's quite physical. Would you agree with that, the difference between voicing an animation like cartoon to a video game? Would you agree that it's very physical? Well, it depends on, it depends on, the, on the video game. I mean, I've, I've done a, like a series for Sniper Elite. I've done two, three, and four, and, and I'm not supposed to say they're working on a zombie part now, so I won't say that. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> It's all like this. Yeah. There he is on top of the. There he is on yeah. top of the building. No, well, less than less. There he is on top of the building. Yeah. So that's it. You know, it's almost like the mangle ad. But then some of the other jobs you get where it's just you have to scream. Your, you know, could we have another fifteen-second death rattle, please? Yeah. You know? yeah. Shreds your voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You're going ah, like yeah. you know, and, and you're feeling it for two or three days after. Wow. Yeah. So it depends. You know, and um, <laughs> as far as cartoons. There's a, there's a guy that I always, always go up against named Glenn Rage. And we were, we were on this thing called Chocksuki Chooks uh, for Ardman. Okay. And, and it's the two, uh, these two gorillas and they're brothers. You know, one of them was like, hey, you'll have to forgive my brother. He's a little bit ballistic. And it sounded like Glenn already, you know, because he's from New York. 
and the other guy is just like crazy, like the Tasmanian devil, like blah, blah, like that. So, and he got that part, and I got stuck with the ballistic guy. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's every situation is different. Um, coming back to all the characters that you play, if there's one, um, so the character you play, if there's one element to their personality that you really adore and admire, what would that be? Well, I think Tanuvi's got great fashion sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way cool than that. I was going to say that. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. It's great playing a, vil a villain as well. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> How about you? Uh, Feronia, I think. I just, I, lo I love the relationship between her and Ariston in particular. Her mothering instincts that come out because she's quite, you know, because she's a, um, an, an engineer, really. But when you see that softer side of her, so that's, you see her human side mm. a little bit more. So yeah. I, I really love that about her. Olivia, she's, she's just like quite feisty, quite determined, uh, got a lot of attitude. Um, yeah, I love her. All of his elements are excellent, <laughs> I agree. Um, well, I love, I love Slick, I love everything about Slick. He's just funny. Um, but uh, Ariston's relationship with Bangle, you know? It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. To be able to do that in the studio all together. Yeah. And I like the, uh, I like being uh, mangled because it was just, it's so pure, you know. Starting from the beginning and you're just kind of innocent, you know. <laughs> and everybody's your friend and, and those people aren't, so you go get them to save your kid. And I love Lannister, I love the, the dad thing too, like Larissa's talking about the parental thing, you yeah. know, with, uh, with my daughter, you know. <laughs> dad, and I've got a daughter now who's over yeah. traveling in Thailand, you know. Whoa. I hope she's safe, you know, so I could use all of that experience, you know. <laughs> uh, right, we're going to go to you guys now. We're going to do a bit of a QA. and a We've got about 10 minutes before we uh, put the next episode on. We are recording this for the BAFTA Gurus podcast, so we have people with microphones. If you want to put your hand up, you've got a question uh, for any of our voice team here, Ed as well, and um, we'll come to you with a microphone. Uh, but just wait to ask your question once the microphone's at you. So, anyone got any questions? No one? Yes. Oh, there's one, there's a girl in the back there. Oh, there's a couple in that back row there. No, I'm not that fourth row down. Um, who's your favourite character? Who's that too? Anyone? Everyone. There you go. Mine's Clunk. I really like Clunk. <laughs> I just think if I was to be any combat, I'd be Clunk. Clunk <laughs> He's very lovable, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a hard question because there's so many cool characters. I re um, no one's mentioned Spark. I really like Spark. Mm. I think yeah. Spark's cool. Did yeah. your primary or secondary school reports ever indicate the job you became? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who has that? Who's got the microphone? What a cool question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is crazy. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that it could be a job when I was at school. I yeah. didn't even know you could actually do this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, I don't think they. I don't think the reports did because it, it. You know, I think I did lots of voices, and I'm. I come from Cornwall, and all my family are Celtic and from Scotland and Wales and Ireland. So I had lots and lots of voices all around me all the time. So I was always kind of doing them, probably you know a bit like a bit like everyone, just sort of trying them out. And that was the only indication really that I might might do something like this when I grew up. Well, my, my line is always, I used to get in trouble for impersonating exactly. the teacher, and now I get paid for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> it's okay. What do you want to ask? I like Spark. 
Yeah. You like yeah. Ooh, taser jam. It's got lots of rhythm spark. Yes. Hi. Did any of you choose um, any moves or have any ideas for the robots? That's a good question. Mm. That is a good Ooh. question. I asked for a female robot, but she's hopefully coming in the next season. I think Ed invented most of the moves, didn't you, Ed? Yeah, we did. We went through a big list and tried to give all the different robots different cool moves that we thought would be really funny and you know bring some quirky humor uh, to these characters. So, um, yeah, and I think we um, hopefully, again, hopefully you guys like trying to think of the different moves that they can do. And I know you do on Scrambled with the challenge as well. Yeah. It's fun making up different cool moves for, for these robots. Ours are rubbish though. We had one that was like, I can't mean like washing machine robot. You're much better at creating robots than we are. Yeah, I've seen that. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, no, no. How many robots are there? Ooh, Ooh question. good question. Let's get that one. Uh, I think. Ed. <laughs> as of today, I think we have about 102 <gasps> Whoa. different Whoa. robots. And obviously there'll be more cool robots to come in the next season as well. Um, yeah, we've got some great new robot characters coming. Including a female one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's the sound, sound um, who is the voice of Spark? Spark is a voice uh, by somebody called Danny John Jules who uh, is not here right now, but he's awesome. Yeah. And I was going to say, in terms of the dance moves, uh, Danny was definitely doing some dance moves when yeah, he, was he was recording his. <laughs> yeah. We got the moves. We got yeah. the moves. So, uh, yeah. What's the, what's the most amount of you that's been in one recording session? Like, this is oh, such a, a full house. Like, a, yeah, I think. So how many is five, that? How many mics can you fit in there? Five or yeah. six. Five or six okay, in the booth. Six at max. Yeah. Six max, okay. But it's cozy when there's six. With, yeah. with three on the couch. Yeah. Laughing at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ordering lunch. Yeah. How many movies have you worked on in total? Oh, movies. Who? Any of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been in five. He's 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 been. I haven't been in any movies. A bit more Wayne has been. I've done I've done the Bar Barbie movies. Big Barbie. Yeah. yeah. What were you in Barbie movies? I've been Barbie. I've been English Barbie. Oh, and sorry. occasionally American Barbie. Um, <laughs> and I've done some Studio Ghibli. Has anybody? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Done some uh, done some of that. Uh, uh, recently, uh, Studio Ponoc, who were Studio Ghibli, sort of um, offshoot of Mary and the Witch's Flower. Just oh yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. And they're very good fun too. Over the side. Uh, question for Ed. Um, 15 plus years is a long time to keep a, a dream and an idea going. Did you ever feel like giving up? Uh, and if you did, how did you keep yourself motivated and keep focused on um, the project? I don't know. It, it's, I, I think, you know, you just, if you've got this idea in your head or you're really focused and you're passionate and you believe, it's one of those things I always in my mind's eye could see the show and believed in it. So, um, yeah, I just didn't give up. And, you know, you, it, it's just a, the whole thing, almost like just trying to get a show away is like your own personal hero's journey. And, you know, you face different challenges or you get close and then, you know, at the last minute something happens, it doesn't quite work out. But then you just, you just persevere and you just, you know, keep developing it, keep honing your skills. 
Um, I think also you just got to be a bit crazy, really, <laughs> to just keep pursuing that, you know, that, that dream. Um, but thankfully, and with these guys and ITV and Netflix, you know, they, it was the right time. And, you know, the, the right people got it. You know, they understood what I was sort of trying to say for many, many years, and they believed in it. And um, we made it happen. And, you know, it's been an incredible, incredible ride. And I think the reason why the show looks like this, um, with all that heart and passion, is that I've certainly never experienced... We had about 120 people in total working on the show. And everyone just boarded this crazy sort of train on this journey, which was very intense, that what, you know, gave it their all. Um, they all believed in it. You know, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It's great to see it up on the screen That's at BAFTA, right. finally. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The one here. Hi. Um, was Rosina based in any country, like? Or is it based... Like, in any country or anywhere? Not really. It's... It, at, at one time, I thought maybe it would be good to do a future... Maybe it's a future Earth, but because it's a fantasy, and I wanted something that could be... that would feel very timeless. So, hopefully, you know, when you grow up and you might have children, that your children would, like, still enjoy Robozina. So it didn't really date it. So it's something that's very much in a fantasy world and it could be anywhere. You know, it's somewhere out there in the universe happening. Over here. Um, how, how long have you been making Robozuna? We've been making Robozuna for... Um, well, we've been in production for three years. And before that, there was probably a period of... Probably a good... 12 months of pre-production. So we officially started... Our sort of day one on the show was uh, in June 2016. But there was still a lot of work that we did before that. Yeah. What's it like hosting RoboZuna? What do you mean? Sorry, what do you mean by hosting? Being the host of it, like, in charge of everything. Oh, like the creator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Why? How does oh, that feel? You mean the it's, director? Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, lot of, um, a lot of things to think about. And I think with, the thing with animation is you have to... So decision, decisions you might make, you know, it often can take 14 months to get the finished version. So if... You make a decision or you have an idea, you have to be able to think, what, what is that going to look like in your mind? Because all these different steps in a process are going to happen before it, it is the finished, what you see finished on screen. Um, but it's, it's a real team effort. You know, there are lots of super talented people because um, it's a lot of work, animation. So, you know, we have writers. So it's very collaborative. Um, and then it's very satisfying. You know, it's, it's a hard job, and you work very long hours, um, but it's, it's incredibly satisfying when you see your finished, you know, your finished uh, idea on the screen. And you get to meet and work with, you know, really lovely people. It's a, it's a wonderful industry to work in, because people who work in animation are obviously very passionate, creative people. 
So yeah, it's, it's really good fun. We've got time for one more question. One more, last one up here. What's your favorite good video game? Ooh. Oh, cool. Anyone else that? <laughs> that oh, my son plays Fortnite, and I oh, play that yeah. with him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, what, what are you doing in there? Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say that's my favourite, but it's kind of exciting, but probably bad to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my favourite video game that would be appropriate for most of the audience <laughs> <Yeah>. here <laughs> is the game that I loved when I was a kid called Spyro the Dragon. Oh, and they've remastered Spyro, and it's amazing. So it's still really cool. That's my answer. Anyone else play video games here? <laughs> I was always really into uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Yes. yes, I was into Pac-Man and Frogger as well. I loved that. Yeah. I was into Pong. Pong is good. Pong. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, that, unfortunately, we ran out of time for questions. Thank That's you so much, everyone, you got involved. Thank you to everyone here on the stage today um, for all of your time and for giving us all of this in amazing insight into the RoboZuna world. Um, you guys can catch RoboZuna across the ITV. It's on during the week and across weekends um, and on Netflix, I believe, as well. Um, a few plugs for BAFTA Kids just now. If you are interested in the behind-the-scenes reports of our events, uh, then head to the BAFTA Kids YouTube channel, our wonderful young presenter, Daniel, who's in the back. Hello. How you doing, my friend? He has been here interviewing everyone. His interview will be up on the YouTube channel very shortly, uh, so you can watch his report in a few weeks' time. Uh, a massive thanks to all of our guests here on the stage, ITV, Kids Cave, um, everyone who's allowed today uh, to happen. And I believe Mangle will still be downstairs waiting for you once you've seen the, uh, the final part, part two of Endgame, which you're about to watch now. Enjoy. Mm -hmm.